Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Morning, good to be together this morning. As you know, we're working toward Easter and uh, preparing for Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And this morning, we carry on in our series on glory. The word glory means the very presence of God. And as the presence of God comes, so we glorify His name. We make His name famous. And as we do that this morning, we take a look at John chapter 17 and how Jesus prays for us. Before we do that, I just want to read you a couple of prayers. Dear God, little boy praying, My mom tells me that you have a reason for everything on earth. I guess broccoli is one of those mysteries. My little boy probably prayed this prayer. Please make my parents understand that if I don't eat salad, I do better at school. Dear God, I need you to make my mom not allergic to cats. I really want a cat, and I really don't want to ask my mom to move out. (laughs) Dear God, when my little sister, won't you help my little sister to stop annoying me? I'm down to my last patience. (laughs) Dear God, I promise never to say those words again, at least until my next injection. This is definitely my son's prayer. Dear God, please don't let it rain on Saturday. The first ball I hit will be for you. And then, dear God, I hope my dog is with you in heaven. Please take care of him. Sorry if he chews on your sandals. (laughs) Folk, it was Mark Twain who used to say that you put a dog and a cat in a cage together as an experiment to see if they could get along. They did. So put in a bird, pig, and a goat. They too got along fine after a few adjustments. Then he put in a Baptist, a Presbyterian, and a Methodist. Soon there was nothing left in the cage. (laughs) Jesus prays, and in John chapter 17, you begin to see this huge transition in the ministry of Jesus. A turning point, as it were. Because in the very first verse... Jesus prays, Father, the hour has come. And the English word hour comes from the Greek word ora, which means this definite time. The season in my life has come, this definite time, that we can't really control. As the seasons come, we can't really control. But the hour has come. The hour has come for Jesus to be betrayed, to be arrested, to be put through an illegal trial, to be convicted and brutally tortured, and then shamed, forsaken by his father, and put to death on a cruel cross. The the father, the hour has come. How does he prepare for that? How does he prepare his disciples for that? And what does Jesus do to get them ready? He prays. He prays. For unity between him and his father. 
And then he prays for his disciples and he prays for you and for me. Some theologians have called this the farewell discourse. And you begin to see that Jesus is beginning to bring everything together. In John chapter 13, he washes his disciples' feet and he says, go and serve one another in the same way. In John chapter 14, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be traumatized. And then he gives them the Holy Spirit, the parakletos, that will walk alongside them. In John 15, he says, abide with me, remain in me. John chapter 16 tells them that there is a a desperate need for the Holy Spirit to be with them. But they need to long for that Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that will help them. The Holy Spirit is the one that will empower them. Or else they will be absolutely lost in this world. And then we pick up John 17 verses 6 to 19. I'm going to ask Kim if you'll read that please. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. When I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now. But I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Thank you, Kim. Folk, it feels so inadequate to preach this prayer. It's called Jesus' high priestly prayer. And as he, he comes before the Father, he comes as a high priest, that metaphor that's used in the Old Testament, that once a year the high priest comes in, And he offers a a prayer and a sacrifice on behalf of the people. And he prays. He prays for the nation of Israel. He prays for God's people. He prays that God will forgive them. And that's similar to the prayer that Jesus prays. And so as we we have a look at this, Calvin says that, that we see the soul of Jesus in this prayer. And uh we, we, we tap in and we hear the prayer of Jesus and what he prayed before his father. Many great Christians have allowed this prayer to bring them so much comfort on their deathbeds perhaps as they are breathing their last breaths. 
And as they, they look for God in a situation that uh, is so frustrating, and they are hearing this prayer of Jesus in John 17, and they begin to take comfort in their pain and their sorrow, knowing that the end is near. That great preacher, Martin Lloyd-Jones, prayed 50 sermons on John chapter 17. He wrote 700 pages in a commentary on John chapter 17. And here, we're trying to do justice to it and see what that means to you and to me in April 2019. Well, let's have a look at the significance and the implications and how we can apply this prayer in our lives today. Well, firstly, Jesus prays that we'll be kept in him, and he prays for safety, for safety, that we will be protected, that as we go into this world, it's expected that we will find difficulties. That goes without saying. And in verse 11, Jesus prays for safety from this world. And he says, Holy Father, protect them by your power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And that word protect, guard them, keep them safe, close. Observe, Lord, who they are as human beings, please. If I were to say to you, have you seen how many white cars there are on the road? You say, well, I haven't really observed that, but I will now that you mention it. And as you go out of here, you begin to see, wow, there's heaps of cars because I ask you to observe. Well, this is a prayer of Jesus and says, Lord, Father, please observe them. Make it a point in your life, please, God, that you keep them safe, close, close. So they are not attacked by the evil one. And so as he observes that, he says, listen, safety from this world, but also in verse 15, safety from the evil one. My prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but you protect them, keep them safe again, tireo, from the evil one, the poniros, the one who will hurt them, the one who is a vicious one, the one who is bad and evil. And it's interesting to note that Jesus prays for this because he knows the Poniros, the evil one, will come and will make things not so good. I know that. You know that. That's the reality of life. And Jesus knows that. And he prays for you and for me. And then I love what he says. He says, listen, compared to the contrast of this world that will hate us, I, Jesus, pray To you, Father, that you will bring your joy within them in the midst of this hatred. Psalm 23 reflects a little bit on this. That, you know, in in the valley of the shadow of death, we'll fear no evil. For thou art with us. Thou art with us. In the middle of the trauma from the evil one and the vicious one, the grace, the joy of the Lord will will dwell within us. In verse 13 he says, this joy, this joy, my joy will be yours and it will be fulfilled in you. That word joy coming from the root word for grace will be fulfilled, will be made full and complete. Not a little bit, but the joy of the Lord will dwell within us and that will give us strength to overcome the battle. We know it's not easy. We know it's not easy. 
So he prays for safety. Folk, this book doesn't speculate. <laughs> it's not a speculative book. It doesn't go, well, maybe this or maybe that. It's a book that is factual. It says, yes, trauma will come your way. Yes, you will feel as if you, you're going to die and the end is right there near you. But you know what? Jesus has prayed for you and for me. He's prayed that in the midst of this trauma, there will be his very presence, his very grace that will help us to overcome. He's prayed for your safety. He's prayed for my safety. But secondly, he prays for security. For security. And from verses 17 to 19, we pray, he, he says, Lord, won't you sanctify them? Won't you not only keep them safe, but safe and secure? Safe and secure. Like a, a, a father longs, a mother longs to protect their children, but keep them close to them, safe, yes, but not only safe, but pure. Why? Because humanity has a free will. Yes, God is omnipotent, all-powerful, he's omniscient, he's all-knowing, he's omnibenevolent and all-good. But despite that, we still have a free will to be able to say no to the things of God. And Jesus prays for us that not only will we be safe, but we will be secure and kept holy in this world. To be set apart in this world, because there are consequences that he prays when we are set apart. How does he do that? In verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. In the truth. In the certainty of the things pertaining to God. And he carries on and says, your word is truth. Your sayings are truth. Your mandate, your moral precepts is what that word means. Your words are absolute truth. So as we read God's word, as we study it, we begin to take in these treasures that set us apart and equip us in this world. And so Jesus knew that there's going to be difficulties. He wasn't saying, well, some of you will go through a hard time. No. When you go through that hard time, know that Jesus has prayed for us. And that prayer is powerful and active today because we're speaking about glory and to be kept in Christ. His very presence is in our midst. It's not out there. It's right here with us. And as we go through that hard time, he's with us. He's with us. Friends, Jesus never prayed that, we'll, that we will escape and, and run to a monastery or a convent so we don't get tarnished by the evil of this world. No. Say he prays that we will find victory. Not that we will escape, but we will find victory in this world. And that's the essence of this world. Not that we will withdraw from this world. And some have, have allowed the gospel to become like that, that we need to withdraw so we're not tarnished. No, within this world that we will be better off because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, 1 John 4, 4. And so... As he equips us, we'll be better for it. The first book written in the, in the New Testament is, is the book of James. And in the very second verse, consider it pure joy when trials come your way. Goodness gracious. Consider it pure joy. That it's a grace when trials, that were trials, birazmi, plural sadly, but fires. Pyro, when the fires come upon you, 
conserve your joy because it builds character and endurance. And as we, as we hang in there, God is with us. Jesus prayed safety and security that he is with us. Now, one it says in Romans 8.37, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Wow, what a blessing to know that God is not going to take the trial away, perhaps, but he's going to give us the strength to overcome. Why? Because after we've overcome, we can turn back and say, God has been with us. To God be the glory he has kept us. Praise his name. And then thirdly, he prays for sameness. Sameness. What do I mean by sameness? I was trying to tell my little boy about this word. He goes, Dad, it doesn't make sense. Well, that's the word that's used. It's rude when they you know, criticize your preaching at home. <laughs> as, he, as, he, as he prays that we'll be kept safe and secure, that word means that we'll be kept one. As he intercedes for us, as he's praying for us, that we will have the same mindset and serve one another. And know that we are to be same because he has prayed for unity and union with one another. Remember what he prayed? The, languages, or the language that he uses, that you in me, God in Jesus, and Jesus in God, and they in us, that sameness, that oneness, that we are identified with Christ, that we are caked in his dust as we follow him. As we follow him, that, that the very steps that we put our footprints in, he cakes us with his dust. So when people look at us, they go, you are the same as the one you're following. His name is Jesus. He prayed for that. Jesus with different characters and personalities. That's what he prayed for. That we'd be one. As we abide in him, that word abide, that we're kept in him, abiding in him to continue to be present. That Jesus it kind of doesn't take a vacation and come back to us. Or we take a vacation from him and then come back to him. No, in the very midst of life and the reality of life, he is with us every moment of the day. That we remain in him not to depart from him, that we're in him. That word in is such a powerful preposition. In and by and with him that we cannot be separated. And later on in verse 21, he says that they may all be one. That, word's, that word one, sameness. I looked up that word one. What does it mean? One is one. That's what it means. One is one. I don't know how to explain it to you. Let me bring out the Greek in it. There is nothing to bring out. One is one. Only same one. What kind of one? The one that I'm in them and you're in me and they are in us. That we are united and are one with him. Friends, it's sad that there are over 53 thousand different Christian denominations. So there are five or six different religions in the world. One of them is Christianity. Within Christianity, there are three main branches, Roman Catholicism, Protestantism, and Orthodoxy. Within that banner, there are over 53,000 Christian denominations. No wonder Jesus prayed this prayer. 
And we're saying, because Jesus prayed this prayer, let's do the opposite. He prayed that we might be one. One together. And how do we do this, friends? How do we do this? As Jesus prayed for his disciples then, he prays for us today. Not that we compete with each other. And what are the effects of the prayer of Jesus? Number one, I think that we set apart for a a special task. That we are set apart for a special task. And he prays that we might be separate. That we might be set apart. And that's what that word means. To be made holy. Holy. That he sets us apart to, to be ayazo. To be different and separate. What is the difference between our God and any other God? Well, our God is a holy God. And he prays that we are one. And that holiness begins to penetrate deep down of who we are. And we become one with him. That we set apart that we're in this world but we're not of it. That we're salt and light and make a difference. Now one day in Jeremiah 1.5... We read, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart to be different. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. You're different. The world calls it weirdos. Because you stand up for the truth. You stand up for holiness according to this. And I hope I'm wrong, but tough times are coming for the church. I hope I'm wrong. But as we stand up for the truth we begin to see the hand of God penetrate and make a difference in the world. But secondly, and in closing, he prayed that we will be equipped as people with qualities of mind and heart and character that will be necessary for the task. You see, there's a difference between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of humanity. And we need to take in the wisdom of God that is for you and for me. See, sometimes we think, well, to serve God, you know, is such a burden. And, oh, woe is me because now I'm a Christian. No, it's life-giving. It's the best thing that can happen to us this side of eternity. God will not lead us where his grace cannot keep us. God will not lead us where his grace cannot keep us. Lord, I'm on fire. It feels like I'm, I'm, I'm going to die any minute, Lord. God is busy doing something in our lives. He's making us stronger. No wonder we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. If you look in that next slide, God didn't promise days without pain, laughter without sorrow, sun without rain, but he did promise strength for the day, comfort for the tears, and light for the way. Always remember that God calls us to be holy, to be consecrated, that that as we experience his grace, we are empowered and we have his strength to be able to overcome. When Martin Luther's translation of the Bible was first being printed, the floor of the shop was littered with scraps of paper from the proof sheets. Luther tells how the printer's little daughter, while playing among the presses, picked up one of these scraps. On it she read the nine words of Scripture, For God so loved the world that he gave, dot, dot, dot. 
As the girl thought about these words, she felt happy and more. She thought about them, the happier she became. In the days that followed, the mother noticed this change in her daughter and asked her the source of her newfound contentment. Putting her hand into her apron pocket, the girl produced a piece of crumpled paper. Her mother read it and exclaimed, But what does it mean? For God so loved the world that he gave. What was it that he gave? Perplexed for a moment, the child at length replied, I don't know what it was that he gave, but if he loved us well enough to give us anything, why then we needn't be afraid anymore? The little girl was right. To know that one lives within the realm of God's eternal love is never again to be afraid. It's all about that next verse, I think, or that next slide. Romans 8, verses 38 and 39, that we're convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That we are covered, covered by his love. That he calls us in and he says, come, come, feel my presence, feel my safety. Feel my security, come. I want to cover you. Not just warmth in your heart. Not just warmth in your body. But I want to protect you. I want to keep you. I want to keep you safe. If you're here this morning and you're going through a hard time. Come. Come. He wants to keep us close to himself. He wants to cover us. And there's enough love to go around, man. There's enough love to go around. Nothing could separate us from the love of God. I beg you to come. Let him cover you. Covered, covered by your blood. That's what he did for you and for me. That night, that was his last night, he prayed for you and for me and then went to the cross so we might be covered and kept in his presence. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. That we're covered, Lord, by your blood, covered by your grace, covered by your mercy, and Lord, nothing can separate us from your love. Lord, may we Abide in you all the days of our lives. For your honor, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329 
Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.